I'm going to ask hundreds of you to get up out of your seat right now and say by coming down here, I do receive Christ. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. I want my sins forgiven. I want to know I'm going to heaven. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Welcome to episode number 14. And coming up on the show, we started it with Billy Graham. So where do we go from here? Well, I'm taking you to Paraguay for a great testimony. Also, you hear an inspiring interview with a man who lives with pain, but Jesus gives him joy and fresh faith. You need to feed your story or you'll dry up. Someone shares a fantastic quote that I want to frame and Your story is more powerful than you think. This is Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. I'm John Fugler, and I am pumped up this week. I don't know why. Maybe it's the Olympics. Maybe it's post-Super Bowl. Whatever. I am pumped up. And speaking of the Super Bowl, I don't know how your team did, but mine didn't win because they weren't in it. (laughs) Mine lost several weeks ago. Uh, Hey, last episode, by the way, our Super Bowl slash Olympics episode, all about performing, performing for Christ, achievement, all that, and how it's dangerous. So uh, go back, listen to that, and hopefully you'll be, uh, be blessed by that, and it'll help you in your walk with Christ. So why did I play a Billy Graham clip at the start of the show? Hmm? Well, I can guarantee you he's not the guest on the show, okay? Billy's gone. He's with he's with Jesus in heaven. Uh, we live about three hours away from the Billy Graham Library, and we've been twice. It's absolutely awesome, full of history. The gospel is presented all the way. Uh, video of some of the most historic Billy Graham crusades, lots of stuff. It really gives you an appreciation for this great evangelist, a, a godly man. It's a beautiful place, too. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you get a chance, if you're near there, just go. Even make a special trip to go. You will be inspired. So I got off on a rabbit trail there. So uh, let's get back to the Billy Graham cut. Uh, So many people have come to Christ through the preaching of Billy Graham. My sister-in-law is one of them. Uh, Maybe you did too. But the reason I played that cut is to point out that we all have a story of our journey to Jesus. And whether your story includes a Billy Graham crusade or sitting in front of the TV and watching, I mean, they've even got a a Billy Graham channel now on Roku and Sirius XM has a a Billy Graham channel. So you can go watch and listen to Billy and maybe you have come to Christ long after Billy's been gone. So whether it's through a crusade like that or whether it's um, quietly in your bedroom, your story is is unique. And I'm here to tell you that your story, not just your conversion story, is powerful. God can use it to change lives. It's interesting. I just got off the phone with a high school friend who I had not seen since graduation. I mean, it's been decades. And in the process, he'd become a Christian about 30 years ago. So we were telling each other about our how we came to Christ, our, our stories. 
And then he went on to tell me the faith stories of other guys from the class that he still spends time with them. Uh, I've been gone across the country uh, since high school, so I haven't really been back there. I've, I've been out of touch. So to hear these stories, wow, I was going nuts. I was so excited. Maybe that's why I'm so pumped up. I mean, I came right in the studio after talking with Mark. And it fits in because today's episode is all about story all about story. And you'll meet a guest whose story is being used by God in remarkable ways. And I pray that God will use his story in your life today. Now, he's not famous, but he's famous to me. And his heart is for Jesus. (laughs) And you'll see how he shines for Christ in the most painful circumstances. And his name is Mark as well. So I guess this is the Mark show. A couple weeks ago, I asked people on my email list to share their story of how they came to Christ, and some great responses came in. Thank you to those who emailed me, who responded to that. And one of them I thought was really, really cool. It came from Paraguay. And let me share with you and tell you why it hit me. Marlena wrote this, and I'm glad she wrote to me in English, so I didn't have to use my Google Translate. So here's what Marlena said. She said, From a very young age, I've heard the gospel. My maternal grandmother was one of the first women in the area where she lived who received the good news with joy. My aunties taught me to pray when I was three years old, while my mother was struggling with what it means to really know Christ or to change her religion. Sunday school was normal for me. However, since salvation is something personal, involves an experience with Christ, and not an inherited issue, one spring night, it became a reality in my life. I still remember that spring night in a stadium in Asuncion, Paraguay, when I arrived invited and accompanied by my school teachers to listen to the message of salvation through the evangelist Luis Palau. Now, when I read that part, when I read that part, I went, wow, Luis Palau? He's another great evangelist, basically the Billy Graham to the Latin community. And I had the chance to meet him. I reflected on that. I had a chance to meet Luis Palau and interview him in our studio one time, in our radio studio, and a man of God. Okay, back back to Maralina. She says, the voice of God calling me was so clear that when I heard the preacher say, who wants to receive Jesus Christ as his Savior tonight? I stood up where I was, and without hesitation, I said, me, I want to. <laughs> My joy and my decision was so evident that a few minutes later, a lady approached me with some colored cards to explain to me my condition before God, his love, his forgiveness, and the gift of eternal life. Well, Marilena, thank you for sharing your story with us. I actually went online, I decided to do this, to find a Luis Palau cut, because I want you to hear a little bit of Luis Palau. He preached in English and he preached in Spanish, depending on his audience. I picked an English cut, but uh, let's just play a little bit of this. And the Bible puts it this way. The blood of Jesus, the Son of God, purifies from all sin. And right here, right now, if you will open your heart to Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus will purify your heart. The blood of Jesus will take away the guilt You say, I don't understand it. Don't worry. You will understand it as the years go by. When Christ died on the cross, I told you last night, he had two thieves, one on the right, 
one on the left. And Jesus hung for three hours on the cross. And the sins of the world were laid on him. And it became dark at noon in Jerusalem. And Jesus out of the darkness cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he had a crown of thorns on his head. He'd been whipped 39 times. They spit on him. They slapped him around. And then the nails in his hands and in his feet. And on that cross, Jesus was the Lamb of God paying for the sins of the world. So that's a little bit of Luis Palau. And uh, he went to be with the Lord about a year ago. Millions have come to Christ through him. So we've talked about Billy Graham. We've talked about Luis Palau. And now this isn't a show to uh, let you know that, hey, now you need to be the next great evangelist. You don't have to be. On the contrary, you do not have to be at all. Our salvation story, as we've heard and reflected on salvation stories, is just one season of our story. And as you learn from our guest, our story is being written every day, chapter by chapter. And his most dramatic chapters came way after his salvation. You're in a chapter of your story right now. Whether you just came to Christ or you've been a Christ follower for for 40 years, somewhere in the middle, you're in a chapter, you're in a season of your story. As I mentioned at the beginning, you need to feed your story or you'll dry up. You gotta feed your story, the word of God, time with Jesus. You can't just be isolated away from from the Lord. It can't be a business relationship. It needs to be that continued personal relationship. And I know we all go through dry times, the ups and downs, Uh, that happens. (laughs) I do. But when I come back to Christ and just faithfully spend time with him, I'm fed. I'm fed through the word. I'm fed through the time of prayer. And I created the 21-day Fresh Faith Experience so you can renew your walk with Christ. You can be fed over a 21-day period. Dive in, spend 5, 10, 15 minutes a day in this, guiding you through various areas of your Christian life, from faith to courage to encouragement to prayer, a lot of different areas. And Sometimes we just need a guide. We need something to get us back centered on our relationship with Christ. But overall, we need to feed ourselves. We need to feed our story, as I said. And I would invite you to do that. And please go grab this, the 21-Day Fresh Faith Experience. It's digital so you can get it and start using it right away. Go to freshfaith247.com and click on 21 Day. I'll also have a link in the show notes. This is absolutely free. Go get it and please get started in this. And then tell me how it's working out for you. What is your story? The 21 Day Fresh Faith Experience, Renewing Your Walk with Christ. And it's there for you, waiting for you. Go download it, freshfaith247.com. And in the menu, click on 21 Day. On the theme of story, before we go into our interview with Mark, let me tell you a story that uh, leads right into it. I had the privilege of serving with Campus Crusade for Christ founder Bill Bright, Dr. Bill Bright, the ministry is called Crew now, in my early years of Christian service. I heard him talk about believing God for the impossible. And I watched him do just that. He, he would speak to the staff on a regular basis and share about the next big ministry dream he was trusting God with. <laughs> 
One of those was the Jesus film, which became the most translated and most watched movie in history. Now, I did some research here, and uh, it's documented 600 million people have come to Christ through this film. It's, it's epic. As a young 20-something, I did not realize at the time that I was in the presence of one of the greatest men of faith. You see, his incredible faith looked ordinary to me after a while, hanging around with him. I thought it was normal. Kind of rubbed off on me a bit as my first venture outside of crew was to start a, a Christian radio station in a big, big area in Southern California. We didn't have a license. We'd have no money. We had no experience. And my wife and I, we just went on faith, <laughs> which I believe was a result of hanging around Dr. Bright for five years and just watching his story in action as he lived it out. And God answered our prayers in a big way. Uh, this great man, Dr. Bright, wrote a book, and it's appropriately called Believing God for the Impossible. <laughs> it, it embodied a principle which was a hallmark of his life. And so I asked, can we believe God for the impossible, or is that just something reserved for the Bill Brights of this world? If you consider your story and where you're at right now, do you have something that you're believing God for? I guess you are trusting for God with something right now, for something that maybe seems impossible. We've been through that ser that season lately in our life, my wife and I, and, and I'll tell you, God's walking us through it. We're seeing him come through in an amazing way. A child coming to Christ, maybe that seems impossible for you. Your, your child is walking away from the Lord. Maybe that impossible is healing or insurmountable debt or reconciliation or a job even. Before we can be all in to trust God for the impossible, we need to practice trusting God for what I say is less than the impossible. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, look at the great men and women of the Bible. Their extraordinary faith stories are there written in black and white, but I assure you they exercise faith in smaller things before getting to the super faith moment. For instance, God prepared Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. His prep school lasted for decades. Uh, Peter denied Christ. Years later, he was martyred for his faith. What happened in between? God trained him in his faith. Long, hard, trying experiences enabled him to trust his father for the impossible. So as you consider an impossible challenge in your life, I want to encourage you, believe God for it. Go ahead, just, just believe God for the impossible. And at the same time, exercise your faith in smaller things, the things that God will bring along your way. Uh, they may be impossible too, but not as big as that that big kahuna that you're facing, but uh, the smaller things. I know that Dr. Bright believed God for many big things, and they all didn't come to pass, no. Walking by faith doesn't involve a scorecard. He knew that. He kept believing God for the impossible and saw miraculous things happen in his lifetime. But he started with a small in times that we don't even know, <laughs> and then the greater things. Most importantly, though, keep this in mind, and he kept it in mind, too. It was always for the glory of God, always for the glory of God. As you 
trust God in this story of your life, in this season and in this chapter, as you believe God for the impossible, as you walk by faith, do it for his glory. And trust that he will be glorified in the end. With that in mind, uh, let's go to our interview. Mark Kordick is a good friend and also a member of Fresh Faith 24-7. And I can't wait for you to hear his story. Mark went through a life and death cancer experience about 20 years ago, and the effects have followed him ever since. Uh, He has heart problems, he lives with constant nerve pain, has a compromised immune system, and of course, with all that, he got COVID, which which was tough for him. Yet Mark never complains, never complains. His love for the Lord is always number one. And so I want to find out from him, how that happens. So let's jump into the interview with Mark Kordick. Mark joins us from his home in Fort Worth, Texas. Mark. Yes, yes. This is the beginning of the Old West. And so I kind of feel like I'm on a, a new journey every day here in Fort Worth. Everybody has a story. You've got an amazing story, but I want to even go back further and ask, how did you come to Christ? I mean, what's your, what's your story of salvation? Oh my. So 42 years ago, uh, I was a a high school senior, Euclid, Ohio, east side of Cleveland, you know, was a basketball player, went up against the likes of Clark Kellogg, the guy on PBS sports. Um, and, um, and during those years, They were times of anxiousness, though, and fears, as well as great joy. Great joy just from the sports uh, opportunities I had then. Uh, Great fears because I'm launching out into college. And, uh, you know, what was that going to be like? How was I going to deal with things? I wasn't recruited uh, at any Division I schools, and so... I chose Bowling Green State University, and in light of, of that decision over the previous six months of my senior year, um, my high school baseball coach, Ken Wagamuth, came to Christ, and he had a posse of like 200 kids that he had coached. He was a 35-year-old single guy with a passion for life. And he was infectious in, in his attitude. And when he came to Christ, he came back. And uh, when he had taken us on the road for American Legion baseball, and we won a lot of championships uh, behind him, and uh, but we would party hard at night as well. And he got uh, the kegs of beer, and we would have a, a terrific time. And... Um, when he came to Christ, he came back and said, guys, I'm really sorry for what I did in leading you into that life of, uh, you know, pursuing alcohol and other things as well. And so that influenced us so much. And he had an evening where he invited current and former players to come and hear what changed his life. And for an hour and a half, he talked about the claims of Christ and how he was really running from God, trying to create his own life. And he finally stopped running from God and received Jesus' love 
and what Jesus did on the cross to pay for his sin that he could never pay in a million years. And as he shared, you could hear a pin drop for 90 minutes for, for these 18-year-olds up to 30-year-olds. And finally, he said, hey, if you want to learn more afterwards, stick around. So we stuck around, and about 20 of us just fielded questions. Uh, Ken fielded questions. And, you know, I didn't make a decision then, but shortly a few weeks after, that was the conversation of my friends who were athletes, and they were also uh, partied hard as well. And so I finally made that decision to follow him in April of that year. And my friend said, uh, now what's wrong with Mark? You know, <laughs> what's wrong with Wags? What's wrong with Mark? And I went off to Bowling Green and I, and I played uh, rugby that first year and hanging out with guys that were even rougher than the guys I played with in high school in terms of on the field, illegal activities that went on on the field and off the field. And I finally said to myself, you know, Mark, you made this decision for Christ. Maybe there's some other people my age that I could hang around. And so I saw this sign for the Baptist Student Union, and I hightailed it to that meeting. There were 25 people my age that loved Jesus. You could see it in their eyes and their demeanor and their singing. It sounds like you went from the, you know, uh, just a a total desert after coming to Christ to finally you found a group of people that could disciple you, feed you, mentor you. I became involved in the navigators as well on campus. And to this day, those navigator principles of meditating on scripture and the topical memory system and the NAVS 2-7, based on Colossians mm-hmm. 2-7 system, has been part of my life. I was a pastor 11 years after that, as well as working Christian radio. So those were the beginning days. Take us back to that season where your whole world was rocked. What happened during that period was I had to pack up everything and, first of all, go Uh, repeatedly to Ohio State University and to the the cancer center there. And I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was compromising my breathing. And I thought, oh, no, it was the fall of 2001. And uh, there are a lot of things going on uh, geopolitically with our country. But in my life, There was a lot going on as well. And I didn't realize it until December of that year when I went to the doctor and I said, look, I probably have bronchitis. I get it almost every year because I'm leading uh, what what we called an in-gathering, as you remember, for a radio network. And I gave myself a thousand percent to that. And usually I just wore myself out and I was ready for that verdict. But the issue was I had itching under my skin, I had lost 15 pounds, and I was very weak. And so when they evaluated me, they quickly found out that I had this blood cancer uh, called Hodgkin's lymphoma that was a cousin of of, uh, leukemia. And so immediately I was put on the most stringent regimen of cancer drugs that have affected me today, and we'll get to that in a minute. But 
after two years of just dousing myself with like 46 treatments of these cancer drugs, it just kept coming back. And so finally, I'm put on this roller coaster of you need a stem cell transplant in order to survive. And back then, it's a little more common now, it was less common. It was to be effective, I had to go through a certain regimen of, of diet and of walking a mile a day, even though you felt terrible, and taking every three weeks this can cancer drugs in order to prepare me for that time where a bed was available and it happened to be at the Cleveland Clinic, my hometown, which was three and a half hours from Dayton, Ohio, where I was at. And so in moving, we packed up everything, literally. And I had no idea if I was going to come back home. I mean, so I mentally and physically had to just put myself my, a mindset that I was never going to come home. Now, I had hope. But I could I realized that that could be an eventuality. So this was really uh, pretty much a life and death situation for yeah, you. Very much. Okay. And okay. so I'm packing everything up. I'm heading there. I'm taking a couple of my favorite books. And really, at that point, I couldn't read as much as I could listen to the Bible on tape. You know, there used to be a thing of cassette tapes. <laughs> I took my cassette tapes of guys like A.W. Tozer and who else was an influence back then. And I would meditate on those tapes of, okay, how do you survive going through intense pain? And what happened with the chemotherapy is it took my white cells down to pretty much zero. And white cells are what fight off infection. And so... You had to get down to zero in order to receive the life-giving um, stem cells that came usually from another person, but mine wasn't autologous, or I used my own stem cells, and they captured them, you know, a couple months before. During the stem cell transplant, I'm down to zero. They wheel me into the operating room, and the bag of life is put on uh, the rack. And uh, they had my name in magic marker. It had to be my own stem cells. And they used it, they put it in my body. I'm recovering in the room. And it, and they said, on the whiteboard, when your white cells start going up and your other uh, uh, blood markers, you're going to leave the hospital. And so it took two or three days and it finally started going up. And after 21, 22 days of being in the hospital, at that point, losing 45 pounds, I'm wheeled home and I'm so thankful to be alive. But man, it was a laborious thing to take my breath. And for a couple of years, it took three years for me to get back to 90% vitality of what I was before. I was very thankful for that but recognizing that I'm going to be at 90% probably the rest of my life, not realizing that at this point <laughs> of my life, I'm probably down to 30% of what I used to be. He doesn't look like a guy who's at 30% or even 90%. It's like, he's always at 110%. That's the speed that you go. 
you know, this isn't a story of, you know, I, I, I had a life-threatening disease. I was going to die, had the stem cells transplant and everything is okay now. And life just okay. turned around and, and it's been fantastic ever since. And my relationship with Christ just bloomed and it transformed me. No, it's been, I, I've walked with you since those days at times. And I see how it's affected your lifestyle. I see you've been back to the hospital a few times. You've been in danger again and again and again. And you, you like, you got nine lives. You keep popping up and, and continuing on the, the energizer, energizer bunny. And I am, I'm totally amazed. I'm totally amazed because that episode you had there with the stem cell transplant was just one of many, you said lasting effects afterwards. And I know you've gone through a lot. So I, I just got a question for you. Who was Mark Kordick spiritually before that? And who was Mark Kordick afterwards? Was there a, was there a difference? Yeah, really uh, difference. Like I, I wrote down just a few thoughts. Jesus has overcome now versus I've overcome <laughs> because I did my best as I went into the Cleveland Clinic. Again, the, you heard me to pack, even now I'm saying it, I packed up my books and my cassette tapes. I was relying on what I could accomplish at that point. Certainly relying, I was relying on the word, the word of God, which is so precious. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, it's the life of Jesus in Galatians 2.20, right? That flow through us. And in allowing his life to flow through me now, it's not, I'm not doing the work as much as he's doing the work through me. And um, even last night, it was about two o'clock in the morning. I was supposed to load up something, uh, my podcast for Joshua Project. And I forgotten, so I woke up and I finally uploaded it then, and um, and I recognized, man, this is an intense battle today. <laughs> you know, it doesn't stop, but uh, you know, really, Jesus gives me the fuel. My life verse, James one twenty five. You know, he that looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. He being not a forgetful hearer, for, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so, you know, it's that famous passage of James 1, where you're looking into the mirror, right? Am I going to take what's in that mirror and, and, and both hearing the word and being a doer of the work? So I want to be a doer. And the doer is allowing Jesus' life to come alive every day. Are you the master of your life? But Jesus is the master. That happened in 1979. You're right. But there is a progress. Uh, Paul said, I die daily. You talk about doing the word. Um, and yet you made that great distinction about not doing it on your own. You prepared going into the hospital. You had all your ducks in a row, all your cassettes in a row, <laughs> because you were going to fight through this. And you did. You came out of there realizing Jesus fights for you and you're the, he's the one you need to have fight your battles in the future. And speak to the person who is living in constant pain right now. They, they struggle 
with keeping their relationship with Jesus fresh and right. And you're one who lives that daily, uh, some of the residual effects of the treatments that you've gone through. How, how do you, what would you say to that person in pain? You know, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just uh, quote my brother, Scott Rodine. He shared an acronym called FLAME. And again, uh, that, that the idea of Jesus being light in the darkest places on earth, because I've seen that, that means, Lord, you could do that in my own life. So when I have that inner dialogue every moment of the day, I want to bring it before him. And uh, this acronym of FLAME is, number one, set me free, free from myself. Because, right, every moment of the day, you have issues. You know, you have a to-do list that might be very long. And uh, you're trying to get to the next item. Now, even if you are a people person like me, I've got a to-do list. It's really sometimes a little bit haphazard, but it's there. And, uh, and, and because I'm trying to experience people and what God brings into my life around me, but I want to uh, set my, me free from myself and having that be the consummate thing right before me. So when I do that, the L is help me love people. And so it's this person that comes up to me at Chick-fil-A and I've had this happen that I've found out that they have a skill and I give me your email. I will send you some information. I'll help you get a job, another job if you, if you want it. So L love. So in this circumstance, getting out of my pain, it's being consumed with the needs of others. Mm as Philippians 2 talks about. A, it's all yours, Lord. It's not mine. Um, recognizing these challenges are God's. My future is God's. Like I said, I'll live to 94 or I'll live, today will be my last day. And mold me, Lord, more concerned with how he works in me than what I'm going to do in con consummating my to-do list. He is, you are enough, Lord. You are a provider. We trust you to supply all needs. When I went on disability two years ago, it took two years to, to get that status. Those of you in pain, many of you have gone down this road of applying for disability. And you think to yourself, like I did the moment I applied, I deserve this because A, B, C in my life, I see somebody else with disability that has less. It's obvious. Like I, I'm, I'm limited in what I can do. But with the government, it takes time. And so it took two years. You have all these issues that are pressing down on you physically, financially, emotionally, because the lack of identity. I don't have that same, you know, vice president of seed company, part of Wyc Wycliffe Bible translators. And man, this is the greatest life. It's what I've always dreamed of. And then zip, it's taken away. And I go back to a consulting role that I was good at before. And I spent nine months working myself up to a full load of consulting clients 
but physically I can't travel anymore like I did. I can only do it right now. Occasionally I can travel because of the pain that it, that's on my body when I go up uh, 30,000 feet. I use all these uh, equipment. I've had four neurostimulators in my back. I have these uh, pads that, um, that uh, strengthen my legs so that the blood flows properly. Mm. Do that regularly. I have a hot tub over here. And I am in that every day because I need that heat in order to really make it every day. I'm, I don't deal well with pain and I can get, I can start feeling sorry for myself. And yet you have brought Jesus into your pain. You have, it's become part of your life. And so you're immersing yourself in him. I mean, how do you do that? What's your I don't even know whether because of the pain, whether you can spend a half hour, an hour with, with God each day, or how do you do this in your situation? How do you cultivate that relationship? Walking number one. And I have a, uh, a trike, a recumbent trike that we got in January. That's not just a play toy. I'm out on that 45 minutes every other day, for sure. Sometimes every day. And when I'm out and riding around and looking at the countryside and occasionally meeting people and, and all that, it is the most comfortable ride, number one. But it, I'm actually pedaling, okay? But I have a motor. <laughs> I'd highly recommend this if you're in intense pain. The recumbent trike is the answer because I'm able to pray while I'm on the trike. I'm able to muse with God, that meditation of uh, uh, Jeremiah 17 and, and Psalm 1 and <laughs> Jeremiah 15, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoicing of my life, for I am called by thy name, my strength and my redeemer. Hebrews 7.25 says, he ever lives to make intercession for us. If he's involved in interceding for me and the world simultaneously, and that's the, the highest priority of him now. Why should I not be about my father's business? So, you know, it's uh, Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed unto his death. That's why I say, okay, that's age 94 unto his death, unto my death. And then being conformed, that's where we're at right now, friends. And it's sometimes like a vice, but it's okay because John chapter 10 says the good shepherd is the, the guy that's doing the, the pruning in John 15. He is the pruner and he is the good shepherd. And so the we hear his voice and we follow him. And it might be to the valley uh, that David talks about in Psalm 23, as you go up from Jericho to Jerusalem, mm -hmm. that's what life is like right now, sometimes for me, the valley of the shadow of death. You've heard about the things Mark is not only involved in and serving, but how deep that relationship with Jesus goes and how transforming it's been through the trials and the pain that he's been through. And he, he's marrying this this relationship with Christ with 
serving the Lord. I pray that you're blessed and encouraged by our time with him, fresh faith and real life. Mark, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for giving us a real good look into your life. You've been an encouragement to us. Mark definitely has a unique story, doesn't he? How did his story affect you? What were you thinking as you were hearing his story and what he's gone through? And then his spirit, his joy. (laughs) I mean, for me, I'll tell you, I'm just going to quit complaining when I have a hangnail. All right. That that's for me. (laughs) Sheesh. Seriously. Uh, I can feel sorry for myself. I get that way when I'm not a hundred percent. I like to be in top form. But Mark's example stretches me, makes me realize that I need to lean into Jesus. It's all about my relationship with Jesus. I don't know if God's got something in store for me in the next few weeks ahead after this episode and listening to Mark's story there, but I'm learning from Mark. And as I interact with him on a regular basis, whether it's on the phone or by email or seeing his social media posts, I'll tell you, uh, he's having an effect on my life. So what's your story? Here we are, coming down to the end of this episode. What's God doing in your life today? I want to encourage you to tell your story. Were you blessed by Mark's story? Have you been blessed by the testimony that I shared early on of Marilena? Have other stories and testimonies had an impact on your life? Well, your story can have an impact on other lives. So please tell your story. You can even practice. If you want, practice it on me. Tell me your story. Email me or send me a, an audio file at john at freshfaith247.com. Go ahead and do that. I, I really want to hear from you. And remember, your story. You need to feed your story. As you move through chapter to chapter, please remember to feed your story. Go back to Jesus. Lean into him. Mark can only have joy as he has been leaning into Jesus and having that deep, deep relationship with him. And that's the same for you. So if you haven't done it yet, go get the 21-Day Fresh Faith Experience. 21 days, spend a few minutes of the Lord each day and get back on track and, and feed yourself. Feed your faith. Feed your story. Go get that at freshfaith247.com and click on 21 day, or you can just click on the link in the show notes. Okay. But man, feed your story. Now I have gotten some interaction with some of our listeners. This came in just yesterday and I got to share it with you. A comment from Robin. She's one of our Fresh Faith 24-7 members. She has this daily calendar where you peel off a day, get to the next one, and it's got quotes and got verses. And I'll tell you, she she shared this one with me. I love it. And this is the one I want to frame from Dr. Deborah Newman. This is like where I'm at, okay? And I want to share it with you because this is where we need to be at. It goes like this. Relationship with God is about being, not doing. God is more concerned that we be in relationship with him than that we perform for him. He's more concerned that we be in relationship with him than that we perform for him. (laughs) I'll tell you, great words, Dr. Newman. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's where we're at here in Fresh Faith 24-7. And on this podcast, we are a movement of believers desperate to know Jesus. We're on the path to freedom in our relationship with Christ. Uh, Do you have a quote, a comment, a question? Uh, Send it to me. 
You can tweet me at John Fugler or email me, john at freshfaith247.com. And make sure you send me your story too, all right? Uh, but I want to share it with, with listeners here. If you give me permission to do that, I'll, I'll do that. You can be an encouragement. Fresh Faith 24-7 teaches you and it provides an environment for you to be in relationship with Christ. Freedom from the bondage of performance Christianity. And you can join for free today at freshfaith247.com. I hope you've been encouraged by this episode. I do. And you'll step out, one, to feed your faith. Secondly, to tell your story. Next week, we're going to talk about the F word. So just a warning. Just a warning. Yeah, that's the word is food. I'm going to talk about food next week. <laughs> How does that relate to the Christian life, our walk with Jesus? <laughs> You'll just have to come back and find out. <laughs> we'll talk to you then.